Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. This episode will review the anterior teeth class traits, as well as specific tooth type traits of each of the anterior teeth. It can be really beneficial when you are first learning about tooth morphology to learn the class traits of a type of tooth before you learn the specifics of each type of tooth within that class. So in the adult or permanent dentition, there are eight incisors, four canines, eight premolars, and 12 molars for a total of 32 teeth. In this episode, we will review the specific class traits of all of the incisors and the distinct features of each tooth type. We'll discuss some comparison features. Those will be noted to help you learn how to compare and contrast the distinct features of each tooth type. It's also important to know the similar features of each tooth within that class to help you develop your instrumentation skills when you're in the clinical setting. Another thing I just wanna note is that if there is periodontal risk or a caries risk that's related to those character traits within this class, I'll be sure to note it within the episode as well for you so that you can make that connection. Let's start by reviewing the class traits of the incisors. Class traits are traits that can be attributed to all of the different teeth within that group. So starting with the incisors, the labial or facial tooth form is trapezoidal with the widest aspect at the incisal edge. The proximal space is triangular in shape, which aids in the primary function of biting and cutting. These geometric shapes are for all of the teeth within this class. All of the anterior teeth are composed of four developmental lobes. All of the permanent anterior teeth are succedaneous, which means that they have replaced a previous deciduous tooth of the same tooth type. Meaning, for example, the central incisor replaces the deciduous central incisor. Class trait incisors, in addition to developing from three facial lobes and one lingual lobe, they have two facial developmental depressions that rise from the conjoining of the three facial lobes. There are imbrication lines. There is also pericomata present, which are grooves associated with the imbrication lines. Class traits of the lingual aspect of the permanent incisors contains the cingulum that corresponds to the lingual developmental lobe. The four borders of the lingual aspect of the incisors are the marginal ridges that give rise to the mesial and distal marginal ridge, the lingual incisal edge, and the cingulum. Let's articulate the difference between the incisal ridge and the incisal edge. The incisal ridge is the linear elevation of enamel on the incisal surface of a newly erupted tooth. 
The incisal edge is the incisal ridge that appears flattened due to attrition. Additional class traits are that the crowns are longer incisocervically than they are mesiodistally. The crowns are wider mesiodistally than they are facial-lingually. The crowns taper from the contact area to the CEJ. The roots are considerably longer than the crowns. The mesioincisal angles are generally sharper than the distoincisal angle angles. When looking at the class traits height of contour for these anterior teeth, the labial and lingual height of contour is located in the cervical third of the tooth. Remember that you're looking at the proximal surface in order to determine the facial and lingual height of contour. Referring back to form and function, the CEJ in the proximal areas is greater than that of the crowns of the posteriors. The anterior teeth have single roots and are triangular or oval in nature. Think of an ice cream cone as a shape with a narrower lingual surface. Let's get started talking about a type trait of the maxillary central incisors. Now, type traits are traits that apply to all the teeth of one type. An arch trait is a trait that applies to the type of tooth of that one arch. So we're going to start with the maxillary central incisors. The maxillary central incisors eruption date is about seven to eight years of age with a root completion date of around 10 years. It is the most prominent tooth in the permanent dentition. It has the longest incisocervical crown and the widest mesial distal crown of any anterior tooth. The location of the proximal contact areas on the mesial is the incisal third. On the distal aspect of the maxillary central incisor, it's at the junction of the incisal and middle third. It is the only maxillary tooth to have mesial surface contacting mesial surface, where the two maxillary central incisors come together. Looking at the maxillary central incisor root anatomy, it is a single root that has a generally straight conical shape to it with a rounded apex. There are typically no proximal concavities on the maxillary central incisor root but when there is a very bulbous crown, it can create some deep concavities right at the CEJ. The length of the root is about two to three millimeters longer than the crown. And when you look at the pulp cavity, there's one root canal present with three pulp horns. Looking at the labial aspect of the maxillary central incisor, there are mammalons present, there are imbrication lines, pericomata, developmental depressions that are usually visible. The labial surface is generally convex and the crown is nearly as wide mesial distally as it is long incisocervically. All the other incisors are longer incisocervically than they are mesiodistally. The crown is widest mesial to distal near the incisal third and narrower at the cervical third this is what creates the trapezoidal shape on the facial aspect. The distal incisal angle is more rounded than the mesial incisal angle. 
and the distal outline of the crown is slightly more convex than the mesial. Looking at the lingual aspect of the maxillary central incisor, the mesial and distal surfaces converge lingually, creating a lingual surface that is narrower than on the facial. The cingulum is offset to the distal, making the mesial marginal ridge longer than the distal marginal ridge. The lingual fossa is wide and rather shallow, but it varies in depth and diameter among patients. Think of it as like a shovel shape if that fossa is deeper and it has very prominent mesial and distal marginal ridges. There are some variations uh, which are more common on the permanent maxillary laterals, but do exist on the maxillary central incisors. You'll see a lingual groove, a lingual pit, and sometimes a lingual gingival groove, which is a secondary groove that originates uh, in the lingual pit and it will extend cervically and slightly distal onto the cingulum. And think about what this does for implications in the clinical setting. This causes a higher risk for caries for these patients. Looking at the proximal aspect of the permanent maxillary central incisor, the cervical line curvature on the mesial is the greatest of any tooth in the permanent dentition. The incisal edge is located at or just labial to the long axis of the tooth. In contrast to the facial surface, which is convex, when the tooth is viewed proximally, the lingual surface is both convex and concave. Looking at the incisal aspect of the tooth, the crown is wider mesiodistally than it is facial-lingually, and the incisal edge is just labial to the long axis of the tooth. The mesial marginal ridges appear longer than the distal marginal ridge because of that offset cingulum. Next, we're going to take a look at the permanent maxillary lateral incisor type traits. It closely resembles the maxillary central incisor, but it's smaller and has a more rounded crown. The eruption date is eight to nine years, with a root completion of around 11 years of age. The claim to fame for the maxillary lateral incisor is that it has the greatest degree of variability of any tooth in the dentition, with the exception of the third molars. The location of the proximal contact areas on the mesial is located in the incisal third. On the distal, it's located in the middle third. The mesial to distal size of the crown is approximately two millimeters narrower than the central incisor. Incisal cervically, it's one and a half millimeters shorter than the central incisor. The root length is the same as the central incisor, so the crown to root ratio is a little less than in the central incisor. The maxillary lateral incisor root anatomy has a single root that's conical in shape. When you're comparing it to the maxillary central incisor, the apex is not as rounded and the apical end may bend a little bit towards the distal. There are no proximal concavities typically present on the roots. The length of the root is the same as the central incisor, but it's a little thinner. The pulp cavity has a single pulp chamber and pulp cavity with one rounder or two less sharp pulp horns. 
looking at the labial aspect of the maxillary lateral incisor, the labial anatomy is a little less prominent than the central incisor, and it appears a little more oblong than the central because that labial surface is a lot narrower in a mesial distal direction. The incisal angles are a little more rounded than on the central incisor. The distal incisal angle is more rounded than the mesial incisal angle, but that mesial incisal angle is not as sharp as on the maxillary central incisor. The distal outline of the crown is more rounded than the mesial. This will help you determine left or right. The lingual surface is narrower than the labial surface and the cingulum is narrower than on the central incisor, but it is centered, so it's not offset like it is on the maxillary central. This makes the lingual fossa a little more uniform in size. The lingual fossa is deeper and more pronounced than on the central incisor because the marginal ridges and the lingual incisal ridge is more pronounced as well. As I said, there are a lot more variations with the maxillary lateral incisor. It's much more common than on the maxillary central. Some of the things that you may see are things like a lingual groove, a lingual pit, a lingual gingival groove, a distolingual marginal groove, which starts on that distal marginal ridge and extends onto the root area. So think about the clinical considerations for that and what the implications are for your patients. They have an increased risk of caries, periodontal disease, and even instrumentation problems can be evident when you have patients that have these variations. Looking at the proximal aspect of the permanent maxillary lateral incisor, the cervical line curvature is similar in shape to the central, but it's not as deep. And the CEJ curvature is greatest on the mesial. The incisal edge is located at or just labial to the long axis of the tooth. The shape of the crown is more rounded than on the central incisor when you take a bird's eye perspective. The labial surface of the lateral incisor is much more rounded than the central, and the cingulum is centered, which makes it a very uniform look from a bird's eye view. Let's take a look at the permanent mandibular central incisors. The eruption date is around six to seven years of age, and the location of the proximal contact areas on the mesial is in the incisal third, and on the distal is also in the incisal third. Its claim to fame is that it is the most symmetrical tooth in the dentition. It's smaller than the lateral incisor, which is opposite of the maxillary incisors. It's often difficult to distinguish the right and left mandibular central incisors if a patient is missing one. It is the smallest tooth in the dentition and it shares a mesial contact. Looking at the root anatomy of the permanent mandibular central incisor, it is a single root and the apical end may curve to the distal. It is wider labiolingually than it is mesiodistally by about two millimeters and think about how that's different from the maxillary central incisor. The other thing to keep note of with the root anatomy is that it has a very pronounced proximal root concavity, most often deeper on the distal aspect. The length of the, of the root anatomy is that the root to crown ratio is greater 
than on the maxillary central. There is one root canal and three pulp horns. When you're looking at the labial aspect, the labial anatomy is often not present or it's very shallow. And it is similar in length to the maxillary lateral incisor. The distal incisal angle is only slightly more rounded than the mesial incisal, which makes it difficult to determine right and left. The mesial and distal outlines are fairly straight. When you're looking at the lingual aspect, the lingual surface is narrower than the labial surface, and the cingulum is small and centered on the root access line. The marginal ridges are the same length as a result of that cingulum being centered, and they are not very pronounced. The lingual surface of the permanent mandibular central incisor is very smooth, and the lingual fossa is very shallow. Think about the implications clinically. Calculus deposits are generally heavier on the lingual surfaces of the mandibular incisors, even though the lingual surface is smoother than the maxillary incisors. Hmm, why do you think this is? Because the sublingual caruncle contains openings for that sublingual duct and the submandibular gland, also known as the Wharton's duct, and this provides nutrients to the biofilm for it to grow. When we're looking at the proximal aspect of the permanent mandibular central incisor, the cervical line curvature is slightly greater on the mesial. The incisal edge is located just lingual to the long axis of the tooth. In contrast to the facial surface, which is convex, when viewed proximally, the lingual surface is both convex and concave. Looking at a bird's eye view of the permanent mandibular central incisor, it is very symmetrical. The incisal edge is perpendicular to the labiolingual axis. The incisal edge is located just lingually to the long axis of the tooth. And where do you think you would see attrition as a result of this orientation? you would see it on the labial surface. The facial lingual measurement is wider than the mesiodistal, which is different than with the maxillary centrals. So on the facial lingual, you would have about six millimeters wide, and then mesiodistally, it's about five millimeters wide. If you look at the maxillary centrals, the facial to lingual orientation is about seven millimeters wide, whereas that mesial to distal width is eight and a half millimeters wide, so it's quite different. Let's take a look at the permanent mandibular lateral incisor type traits. The eruption date is seven to eight years of age, and the root completion is around 10 years of age. It has more variations in form, and it's slightly larger than the mandibular central incisor. The location of the proximal contact areas on the mesial is in the incisal third, and also on the distal, it's in the incisal third. When we're looking at the root anatomy of the mandibular lateral incisor, it has a single root, and the apical end may curve distally. There are proximal root concavities that are a little more pronounced on the distal. The length of the root is longer and wider than the mandibular central incisors. And looking at the pulp cavity, it has one root canal with three pulp horns. 
looking at the labial aspect of the permanent mandibular lateral incisor, the labial anatomy is very shallow. There are developmental depressions that are slightly deeper than on the mandibular central incisors. It's not as symmetrical as the central incisor, and it's convex in a mesiodistal direction, more so in the cervical third. The distal incisal angle is a little more rounded than the mesial incisal angle, and the distal outline is slightly more convex than the mesial. The crown is tilted distolingually, and the distal outline is shorter than on the mesial. When you're looking at the lingual aspect of the permanent mandibular lateral incisor, the lingual surface is narrower than the labial surface. The cingulum is small and offset to the distal. This makes the mesial marginal ridge a little longer than on the distal, which creates what we call a distal-lingual twist. The lingual fossa and the marginal ridges are shallow, but more developed than the mandibular central incisor. When we're looking at the proximal aspect of the permanent mandibular lateral incisor, the cervical line curvature is greater on the mesial. The incisal edge is located just lingual to the long axis of the tooth, so more of the lingual surface is visible from the mesial view because of the distal-lingual twist of the tooth. When you're looking at the bird's eye view of the incisal aspect of the tooth, it has a more rounded form than the mandibular central incisor. The incisal edge is not straight because of that distal-lingual twist, and the cingulum is offset towards the distal. The incisal edge is located just lingual to the long axis of the tooth. A little memory tip as you're trying to remember the tooth morphology as it relates to the incisors. The maxillary central incisors have a cingulum that is offset to the distal. The mandibular central incisors have a cingulum that is centered, so they are the opposite. And that holds true for all the anteriors. Maxillary laterals have a cingulum that's centered. Mandibular laterals are offset to the distal. Maxillary canines have a cingulum that's centered. Mandibular canines are offset to the distal. I hope this memory tip helps you. It would be a good idea to review some of the similarities and differences between these arch traits and type traits of the specific incisors. As a general rule, the further away from the midline that you move, the increased chances of supplemental grooves exist. The other thing I want you to think about is some of the distinct differentiations between these teeth and some of the similarities. So for example, the maxillary centrals have an offset cingulum, as do the mandibular laterals. And the same is true the maxillary laterals have a centered cingulum, as do the mandibular centrals. So try to find things that are common between the teeth to help you distinctly differentiate the different tooth type traits. This will help you have great understanding of the anatomy and the tooth morphology that exists and will go a long way at helping you when you begin charting and instrumentation procedures in the clinical setting. I've decided to share a poem about the incisors to help you with your learning. The anterior teeth are first on the list to learn about and know. They cut into food, 
provide us with good speech and give us a smile we can show. The mandibular centrals are first to arrive and come into the lower front position. They are symmetrical and straight first at the gate and provide the start to the mixed dentition. The next on the scene are the maxillary centrals and they come in like a barge. They are a really big deal, have an offset cingulum, and at first seem really large. Next to arrive are the mandibular laterals, who are bigger than their neighbor friend. The cool thing to know is the distolingual twist. The offset cingulum gives it a bend. The final incisor that completes the group is the maxillary lateral guy. This one's the craziest with the most variation, and I really have no idea why. Now, when these incisors erupt, there can be crowding or many spaces. If there's spacing, you note them as diastemas. And if there's crowding, you can look forward to braces. In the next episode, we'll be discussing tooth development and the process of eruption. We will review each stage in the development process and discuss how each stage builds on the previous stage in order to create a seamless and efficient transition from initiation to apposition to the final eruption and root formation. Join me. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of the show notes. Happy studying! I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.